The point that I'm making is, is that we all have our to do list. We have our work to do. And that's what you can then say is, is that we all are keeping a list of work to be done or things that we are dissatisfied with that need to be brought into a state of satisfaction. In other words, yes. our to do list is a list of dukkha. Yeah, so this this question or this talk is going to then be about dukkha, 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 dukkha everywhere. Yeah. Like water, water everywhere, dukkha, dukkha everywhere, not a drop worth drinking. Right. It's everywhere. That's right. You got it. But that can be liberating or it can be dukkha. Your choice. If you see it everywhere, then even seeing dukkha everywhere can be seen as dukkha. Yes. But so a comment on that um, is I've actually enjoyed like in my practice, my sitting practice, I've noticed that when I notice the dukkha, it often brings me to light, but it's only when I take that perspective of the sitting, you know, like when I really refine my awareness, notice it does bring me some delight. But if I'm not doing that, you know, it, I just see dukkha everywhere. I get very cynical, very pessimistic about everything, you know. OK, and, well, let's talk yeah. about it like this. Then we know that there is something called unconscious. It's when yes. the child is daydreaming and the teacher is yelling at him to pay attention and he's gone. Then there is also slumber or sleep at night where we have no consciousness. But when we wake up, there are various levels of waking up, perhaps more than just two. So they can say then that one of the levels of consciousness is people can wake up is that they go about living their lives, but they don't see the dukkha at all. Then we can wake up to a bit to where we can begin to see dukkha. And the more we wake up, the more dukkha we see everywhere. Right. And that's the place then dukkha, dukkha everywhere begins to be seen. Then seeing dukkha everywhere is a kind of dukkha. Because everywhere I look, there's the dukkha. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. But like... there is there is a higher level of waking up. And the higher level of waking up is the waking up enough to where you actually take uh, the effort that it takes to throw out the dukkha every time you catch it, knowing that there's all that's basically about all you can find is dukkha. But that's still to be thrown out. And when if uh, if everything is dukkha and you throw every dukkha out, then there's not much left. We can call it ain't much left. Not much there. It, it seems like there's so much, though. Like you no, 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 no. There's so much dukkha, but when, but the thing of it is, is that when there is no dukkha there, then there is not much there because almost everything that is there is dukkha. Get that point. If dukkha is everything, and you throw out everything, then nothing is left. Hence, sure. the Buddhist teaching of sunyata, everything is empty. And the only thing that we put in it is dukkha. 
So now it's time to start taking the dukkha out of it, and you're getting pretty good at finding the dukkha because you're seeing it everywhere. 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 Like, but you haven't like seen it yet enough. <laughs> but you have. But you're seeing it in a kind of a downer way, rather yeah, than yeah. liberating. Right. That right. you need like to wake is... up just to know a little bit more, a higher level of awakening to wake up to the fact that, yes, this is dukkha, but it's so easy to throw out. That, that right. Actually, when you say, I see dukkha everywhere, you're not saying, I see dukkha right now everywhere. It's right now I see dukkha there, right now I see dukkha there, right now I see dukkha there, right now I see dukkha there. This is the correct way to do it, but instead of saying, the next statement is very unwholesome and that is, therefore, I see dukkha everywhere. No, you just saw dukkha there and dukkha there and dukkha there and dukkha there. And you made a generalization that dukkha is everywhere. Sure. Yes, and that's, that's an unwholesome thing to say. The, the wholesome thing to say is that's dukkha out of there. 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 And here I am now, and there's no dukkha. Hmm. That the dukkha is always out there. It's over there. It's here. It's back yonder. And if we come out of the th thoughts of dukkha into the thoughts of everything is okay right now. An example that we could use, in fact, is talk about um, dukkha then can be seen as work that needs to be done. And everybody carries around a workbook, a to-do list. Generally, mentally, some people actually write it down. Some people have a whole... In fact, um, we talked about Leonardo da Vinci. Have you seen his workbook? Bill Gates bought it about 20 years ago for millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, like 70 million or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I saw a picture. It's like a little And it was <laughs> and it was and it was small, but it was uh basically a bunch of garbage that was half baked. Right. Just some ideas. I mean, like his idea for a helicopter was not going to get off the ground, <laughs> but at least he had the idea of a helicopter. Right. Have you seen right. Leonardo da Vinci's helicopter? It was one that had canvas in a spiral. In a, and so when you turn the thing around, the idea was to bring the air down in in mm. in your spiral. Mm. Right. But it had you too much. <laughs> no, I've got an electric fan, <laughs> which is a whole lot less <laughs> weight, but it's still not strong enough to get itself right. off the ground. <laughs> uh, I could see you in your spare time trying to build one of those. I, I can see it. <laughs> Never mind. The point that I'm making is, is that we all have our to-do list. We have our work to do. And that's what you can then say is, is that we all are keeping a list of work to be done or things that we are dissatisfied with that need to be brought into a state of satisfaction. In other words, yes. our to-do list is a list of dukkha right so the first thing that we need to do then is to close the workbook that's the only work that we need to do is just to close the workbook and say i'm done today i've done all the work that i'm going to do my job is done i'm finished 
what a relief it is to have the feeling that all the work that needed to be done has been done. And the biggest part of the work was not taking an item out of the workbook and working on that. The real work was closing the workbook. Mm. To shut the thing down, to take our to do list, wad it up and toss it out happily, saying now I don't have any work to do. Finally, we've gotten to the point now where we can say no place to go and nothing to do and the spring comes and the grass grows by itself. And guess what? The grass is growing right out there in the yard where that book was buried. (laughs) 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 And the grass grows by itself without having any of that work ever gotten done. Right, right. I'm jealous. (laughs) And we can just sit here completely satisfied with the fact that all of my work has been done. I got nothing to do, no place to go, nothing to do. Everything is hunky-dory. Everything is easy-peasy. Right. I, I mean, it, you know, it's, it sounds great, and I, I believe in you it. Have to, no, it's not a matter of sounding great and, and believing in it. It's to remember to do it right now. To close that book right now, you have to remember to actually do it, to remove those unwholesome thoughts and put wholesome thoughts in the mind. Thoughts that are not right, dukkha. Right. The reason that you're seeing dukkha, dukkha, dukkha with every thought is because every thought is dukkha. You got to make a change here, boy. <laughs> right. Um, I think part of the issue for me, too, is like giving up the person I used to be. You do not have to give up. Wait a minute. You do not have to give up the person you used to be because you are not the person you used to be. You're already you are already brand new right now. And and, uh, guess what? You've even changed again. Right. But there you go again. You changed again. You're not the same person you were 10 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's very. Yes. Yes, you're right. But that is true. Everything is in constant flux. Everything is in motion. And we have to recognize, in fact, that at every point in time, things are in flux. And that we have a choice to make as to whether we're going to let things be in flux the way they naturally are. Or are we going to try to stop it and make it flux the way we want it to flux? Right. Stop flexing. Right. And it's funny because I kind of feel like I'm going through like a midlife crisis or something, you know, (laughs) hopefully not because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 27. So it'd be too bad if this were a midlife crisis, but no, no, let's talk about it in a different way. Let's talk about it that there is a time in adulthood when people begin to wake up. They have a little bit of sati. They're still semi-conscious or subconscious. And the crisis that they have is because when they do wake up, they don't wake up completely. They just wake up into the dukkha and recognize, wait a minute, here I am, 40 years old. I've got the house I was told to buy. I've got the trophy wife I was told to get. I've got the fancy car that I was supposed to have. Why don't I feel the benefits of the rewards that I've had Or a better question would be, why did I ever think that this stuff was going to be my reward? 
I've got to have a better reward here. I got to do something new. But in right. that state of subconscious, instead of going to the Dhamma, they go to the Harley Davidson dealership. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, they're looking for something new. And set the, the problem is, is that when yeah. they go to the Harley dealership, they're just going back to the same old world that they were in before, and they don't recognize it. They think something's changed. That's not a change. Why? Right. Because they're trying to only change the wheels that they ride on, not changing the mind. Well, and here's, I think, where... That's I'm why it's called a crisis. For you, crisis, it's not yeah. a crisis. For you, it's a waking up. Let's hope that you wake up enough so that you stop having your crises one after another after another. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, I think one reason I use that term of midlife crisis is, is for the midlife crisis that you realize the past is dukkha because you're completely unsatisfied with all you devoted your life to. And then you feel the future is dukkha because you're just what if I go got out? Die. Oh, so the right. past is dukkha. The future is dukkha. That means the present must be dukkha. That's how the midlife crisis is, and that's kind of how I feel. Is mm -hmm. is when I look in the past, I just see dukkha. When I look in the future, I just see things I don't want to do, which is also dukkha. And so it's like I'm just like on this little island of the present, and and that's all I got. No, you're not. That's the whole point. That when you're thinking about the past and seeing it as dukkha, you're still in the past and seeing dukkha. When you're in the future and thinking about the future, you're seeing the dukkha, and you're not in the present moment. In the present moment, there's no past and there's no future. Everything is just hunky dory right now. Yeah, the present's the only thing that that's okay. Uh -huh. You know, the present is actually like pretty fine but now there is something that about the future or the past i just immediately yeah anyway please All right. here's yeah. the thing to think then is, is to start looking at the future is not ours to see there are a few basic things that are there we do know in fact that there is old age sickness and death you are going to die are you ready if not you better get ready because it's going to happen now the thing about death is is that if you're not ready to die then you're not really ready to take the chances and if you're not willing to take any chances because you're afraid of death then that means that you're not really living anyway the only way to really live is yep. to buy completely to be completely free of the fear of death die to the world Right, so that means that we, in a way we have to do our death before the body dies. Yep. And the death then is is uh, the death of importance. When death of importance happens, that means that nothing is important anymore. In fact, everything goes back to sunyata. Everything is empty. What is it really empty of? It's empty of importance. It's empty of meaning. And so we have to add our own meaning. And here we do. And we go around adding importance and importance. And then we think there's importance because we've been mentally adding it. And so then we get the idea that I'm important too, which means wouldn't it be a tragedy when I'm dead? 
Right. Instead of, wouldn't it is... be a celebration? Wow, the whole world can breathe easier when I'm gone because I'm taking up a lot. I'm a, quite, many people will tell me I'm a windbag. <laughs> when that windbag is gone, the whole world will be able to breathe easier, so it'll be better off without me. That's what my grandma likes to say. She says she's past her Dubai date. She's past her Best Buy date. She's mm-hmm. 92. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how, that's how she thinks. This is exactly what happens when people get old. But the people yeah. that I talk to about the Dhamma haven't reached that yet. They don't have a clue about it. Yeah. It's very much like walking into the first grade classroom where the kids are just beginning to put A's and B's together and start talking about and handing them a Bible or some complicated piece of literature. They just don't know what to do with it. But once they get old, they'll know exactly what to do with that. Okay, so this is the whole point. Your grandma is 92. She has already lived a lot, and she recognizes there's not much left. And what is left is, number one, death is coming. And number two, on the way now, there's going to be nothing left but old age and sickness. Yep. You will have old age, sickness, and death. It's good for you to get prepared for that. You're going to get really sick someday, so a little bit of sickness should be a good uh, call or a, a, a moment of practice. If I can practice while I'm sick a little bit and can manage that, then later when I get really sick close to death, I'll handle that too. That brings upon that attitude. Most people are very, very afraid of sick. That's why they have health insurance. That's why we even have the medical professions, because people don't like being sick. The Kabuta Dasa called being sick an opportunity to practice. Why do we say it that way? Is because even though the body is sick doesn't mean that I have to feel bad about the body feeling bad. I can feel good even though the body is feeling bad. Well, you know if you were to rewrite the story of the Buddha and seeing the old man, the sick man, the dead man and place it in modern America, you would have those three people, but you'd also have the poor man because we have in modern society, a great fear of being poor and not being successful. But that's just another form of being sick. Yeah. Yeah. Poverty is nothing but a sickness. Yeah. Okay, and so poor man or sick, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. In fact, the biggest problem with poverty, the biggest cause of poverty in the United States is sickness. That people go broke and go uh, into bankruptcy because they were stupid enough to pay their medical bills. Right, or they got, you know, some kind of physical illness. They couldn't work or mental illness or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, sickness often creates poverty. Exactly. Um, poverty yeah. and sickness are directly related to each other. And yep. so the question is then, <clears throat> from that perspective then, if I am poor, unlike the Western mentality that poor poverty is bad, because poverty means that you're not doing what you need to do in order to be wealthy, another way of looking at it is, hey, man, I got nothing to do and no place to go, and I don't need any money, so I'm okay. I'm good to go. Poverty looks good. Sure, right. And so long kind of as a, it's above yeah. a basic level. Right. 
you get below that level and you're going to have trouble. An example of that is, let us say, in our modern society, the way that people walk around, we need shoes. If you don't have shoes with the mentality that people have, that can be dangerous. Also, in our society, we have to have a certain amount of clothing. We have basic things, basic needs. If people do not get these basic needs, they will have suffering beyond just the mental. But if we can bring our basic needs up to a particular level, then we're good to go. And the whole point about that is, is that as we begin to monitor this and notice it and build the skills for it, our need level, which is very high in our society, we see our poverty level way up here. I mean, let's face it, in the United States, there are people who have deep, deep, well-known poverty. They go out and they go to the food um, uh, distribution center, the uh, Red Cross or the Salvation Army or the food bank or whatever, just to get their food. But when they go back home, they go back home and play with their iPhone. Right. Right. Here's where we're getting at. It is, is that poverty has a lot to do with stupidity and ignorance rather than wisdom. That that real poverty, in fact, uh, is poverty when we're really, really suffering from it, rather than uh, the kind of poverty that we talk about. In other words, this guy with that cell phone calls himself poor, and everybody in town calls him poor, and the nation will call him poor, and the, uh, the government will put him under classification and call him poor, but he's got cell phones, and he eats every day, and he's probably got shoes on, and he walks around in public, and when he goes home, he's got a home to go to, even if that's a tent on the street. Sure. So the question is not whether we've got these four basic requisites or not. It's the fact that how do we manage them wisely? And as we manage the four requisites wisely, that means that we're able to get along with even fewer and fewer requisites. And so as our wisdom goes up, our need bar of the requisites goes down. So do you mind if I pause you there for a moment and just make a comment slash question? So like the term you used, which was managing, you know, and even that term just makes me not want to do that. Like, I do not want to manage anything. You know, I would just be like, like I see Duca in management, you know, and I don't need to. I don't think so. But I, I just want to right. point out. Let us say that you saw where. Let's say that you saw a slow-moving spear that had just been thrown at you, and here it comes right at you over the next two or three seconds. Are you going to manage to stand out of the way, or are you going to let that thing hit you? Um, depends on my <laughs> my mood that day. Uh-huh. So general, generally right. speaking, I'll get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you'll manage to find a way to step out of the way so that thing doesn't hit you. Yeah, generally speaking, yes. But All right. in you know, fact, maybe this if I is was kind of sad, I would just allow fate to <laughs> be like, okay. Okay. <laughs> now, here's another way of looking at the word managing is yeah. different than working. The manager doesn't work. 
if he manages real really well i have even heard this said in some universities that the very very best manager has absolutely no work to do because he's delegated everything yeah. doesn't work in reality like that right um but back back to the point about it's not the issue of the word management is not the issue. The issue then can be used as the word choice. It's your choice. Are you going to let that thing hit you or are you going to stand out of the way of it? Right. And I think part of the issue is like I would prefer to just not even have that issue. You know, like I would like to just not Then the even... right thing to do is to stand out of the way of it. Get good at getting out of the way so you don't have those issues. Sure. And, if you and don't think, get like, out of the way, you're going to have to deal with getting hit by that spear. Sure. You've and got think, to learn yeah. to manage your life so that you can avoid the dukkha. Right. And I think kind of almost what I'm pointing out is here is like the, you know, the Kennedy quote, the, it's either Kennedy or Roosevelt. I think it's Kennedy. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I, I, I feel like I've seen, I've been, you know, I've been in that this moment. That was either I've FDR or Churchill. I think it was FDR, but Churchill could have said it also. One of the two of them, not Kennedy. That was too many years okay. ago. Okay, it's probably Kennedy. Excuse me, FDR then. Um, but anyway, um, is when you see that, uh, when you start having the, the the sense that you're seeing Duca everywhere, you know. Um, then you even, or at least this is my experience, I even will be see dukkha in seeing dukkha, you know, and like just even like the idea of there being more dukkha exhausts me. That you know? is, in fact, the victim's position that you're holding there. Yes. To where you see dukkha, dukkha everywhere, then what's the point? I'm lost. I am under right. it. I cannot right. get out of it. And that, right. too, that's, is yeah. an unwholesome thought. Yes. And that thought is unwholesome. Right? right? Yep. Well, don't deal with it. Recognize that as an unwholesome thought and throw it out. Recognize that those thoughts are unwholesome thoughts. That this is the attitude of a, of a loser and that you can develop the attitude of a lion by saying, yeah, right, out, right, get out. Sure. And you know what's funny about it, too, is realizing that I've often had this attitude, you know, and I've accomplished a good amount of things in my life. I would not consider myself a loser, you know. But I've often had, you know, this attitude of there's just suffering everywhere, you know, and and like, what's the point, you know, and and to, to recognize it, though, with greater awareness and say, you know, this is just a, this is I'm seeing Duca everywhere and I don't actually have to do that, you know, or I can especially since you haven't looked everywhere. That yeah. when you use the word everywhere, you're lying to yourself. Sure. Everywhere so, is more un, is just more unwholesome thought, just like all the time. People will yeah, say it, I yeah. see Duca all the time. No, you don't. 
Right. I you mean, don't see it everywhere. No, you don't. That's juice. a generalization. And yeah. that it's the victim's generalization. Right. And bring it back to the orange juice. <laughs> I was just drinking some orange juice and I was really enjoying it. You know, it was just this little moment. You know, I'm talking to you, having our conversation. And then I would take a sip of the orange juice and I'd think, you know, that orange juice is really good. You know, that's not Duca. You know, that's that's not Duca. That's the opposite of Duca. That's good orange juice. You know, mm-hmm. there's no Duca there. There's Duca in the cessation of the existence of the orange juice, the, the passing away. You know, there's a little bit of Duca there. You know, I finished it. I finished the cup, you know. Um, and uh, maybe some Duca there. But the actual experience of it w- was quite nice. Well, the point then is, is that the dukkha that you see everywhere is not everywhere that you're seeing that it's a mental state that you're in. It's a filter that you're putting everything on. Right. Okay, so you're seeing it as dukkha because of the attitude. Now that you're seeing the dukkha, see that that's your attitude. And see, that is dukkha also. That's the real yep. dukkha. The real dukkha is the attitude that there is dukkha. The right yes. attitude is to throw that unwholesome thought out and, and clean the mind out and come back to a state where you feel safe, secure, happy, and satisfied. Right, right. Which is the yeah, super. Yeah. But you have to remember that you have the choice. Yes. You have to remember that you yes. have a choice. You can think the thoughts you want to think. It's your brain, it's your mind, and just because you've been in the habit of thinking things in a certain way doesn't mean that you have to continue to think in that particular way. The example of that is the guy who drives the same car to the same job every day. Every day he gets in his car and takes the same path, the same roads, and goes to work every day. And after about 10 years of supporting that car going to work every day, people begin to get the idea that that car can't go anywhere other than that one road. That's the only path that car can take because that's what it's been doing, right? We see things like that in general. That does, but yeah. just because it's in the habit of going that direction all the time doesn't mean that it's bound to, that, right. it's, that it's tied to that, that it's bound to it, or that it's fettered by it, or that it's roped into it. Mm-mm. That car can travel any place that it's steered to go, just like your mind can steer it around that path of dukkha, seeing dukkha anywhere, and recognize, wait a minute, this is dukkha right now. This thought I see dukkha everywhere. I can throw that thought out, make a left turn into hey, McDonald's <laughs> or orange juice. Yeah, we yeah, yeah we pull <laughs> off this road into the uh, uh, into the fast food and get us an orange juice and and there you go. Yeah. and enjoy okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the whole idea then that many people under, uh, miss out on. Is, is that we have to keep track of the fact that there is dukkha in all kinds of forms that can sneak into the mind. The question is, do you have the skills to recognize a thought of an, wholesome, an unwholesome thought as an unwholesome thought? Right. And, and, and here think, you are presenting yeah. an unwholesome thought as a wholesome thought. Oh, I see dukkha everywhere. Mm. Your thought was a wholesome thought. 
No, I see mm. dukkha everywhere as an unwholesome mm. thought. Well, that is very helpful. Thank you. And, you know, one thing this this whole process reminds me of is like a cat, a cat with a ball of yarn, you know, except the ball of yarn just never ends. You know, it just continues. And maybe and at some point, the ball of yarn might end and you become the cat becomes noble, you know, once the yarn is gone. But it, it feels so... Or at least this is just my mistaken impression, I suppose. What's but the possibility seem... that the cat is playing with a ball of yarn and in the process of playing with the ball of yarn, actually playing with it, the cat becomes noble, irregardless of the shape of the ball of yarn. In fact, the, barn, the ball of yarn that he's playing with may not be being unraveled. It may be tied together in such a way that the ball doesn't unravel, but the cat's still playing with it. Does the cat enjoy playing with the ball of yarn? Sure. Then why isn't the cat noble already? Why does the the play toy have to be exhausted before the cat becomes enlightened? Right. And that's perhaps my mistaken view is that I have to do this for like 50 years. And then, you know, when I'm when I'm your age, then I'll sit back and it'll finally be fine. But I have to suffer through dukkha for the next 50 years. You don't have to do that. That's the teaching. <laughs> yeah. But the Western yeah, mind is very, very slow. That the average Westerner, the mentality, and see, you were raised on that. You got to work and right. do and fix and 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 mess and and uh, uh, fail and keep trying and Sisyphus right. and all of that right. kind of stuff, and eventually get your reward. Well, the midlife crisis is when the guy figures out finding. Hey, man, there ain't no reward here. There never was. Right. But that's a crisis because he's making a huge mistake. The real mistake or the real way to think is, is that, hey, man, I can give myself all the rewards I want right bloody now. Right. Because the rewards are a feeling that I have inside. The reward is the feeling good. Why don't I go ahead and reward myself and feel good now and forget about the ball of string? Right. Right. Or, or not and forget about the ball of string, but forget about the ball of string running out and just play with the, the ball of string happily right now. Right. And so learning to... In part, sorry, I'm just checking to see if my dog pooped because I just had an intuition he did and he didn't. So that's good. <laughs> no dookie. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> Some dookie, but no dookie. Uh, <laughs> nice little, mm. I, thought, I thought you'd like that joke, but I guess I guess that one didn't land. But anyway. <laughs> I, I, really, I really didn't hear what you were saying about the dog. Oh. I didn't catch it. Oh, oh, I said I had an intuition he might have pooped and then I oh. looked over and he didn't and I said no no dookie there okay okay all yeah. right now I got dookie, it dookie dookie Naroda. <laughs> dogs generally don't poop in their house until unless it's really uh no other choice but they don't but I I, I um he had dinner kind of late are and sweet. I usually take him out I didn't take him out yet so Okay. Dogs are more intelligent than humans. Dogs yeah. don't spoil their own nest. Humans do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. They'll, no, they'll, the they'll grab a hold of any carrion or any piece of crap 
that they find on the road and drag it home. Yeah. Dogs yeah. are wiser than that. <laughs> they keep their, their nest habitable. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he hasn't done that in a long time. I don't know why he got worried about that, but I did. But anyway, um, maybe it's all the talk of Duke. Duke uh, I started thinking of Dukey. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but back to the discussion here. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I have pretty good marching orders here of just, um, you know, be in the moment and learn to play with the Duca a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and learn to not take the Duca so seriously, you know, and I think that's part of it. It's not important. It's just to be avoided. That's the only thing about it is don't do it. Right, right. And I'm just, I I think I'm taking it too seriously. If I'm seeing it and then I'm catastrophizing, you know, and thinking, oh, there's, there's Duca everywhere, all of this, you know, Duca, Duca, Duca. But, you know, as you said, that's a loser attitude. You know, that's a victim attitude, right? And, you know, and, and I think maybe if I, if I can just accept the fact that Duca exists. There is Duca, you know, first noble. No, 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 no. You're not going to accept the Duca at all. You're going to murder it. Hmm. You're going to bury it right there on the spot. Bang, you're dead out of here. (laughs) Do not accept Duca. Which is exactly what you were doing. Duca, Duca Hmm. everywhere. Oh, I'm a victim now. I got to accept this Duca. Hmm. No, the winner's attitude is out of here. No more Duca. Not now. Yeah, or right now. Right now, no. no. Right, and so one thing that arises when I have that thought is right now, no. That means there will be at some point. You know that that little that little mind moment creeps up. At the end okay, of but thought. that's still a loser's mentality. The right thought will be then immediately after that would be the thought, yeah, when that happens, I can handle it. Hmm. When that happens, I can handle that. I can handle this moment. I can handle that one, too. Hmm. That's the development of right attitude, but it still has that thought and the wholesome thought of, I don't care what it is, I can handle it. Right. As opposed yeah. to, oh, no, that could happen. That's dukkha. In fact, you're suffering now for something that may happen later. Right. Why don't you wait until yeah. it happens and then you can be present and say, but I don't have to be suffering because that happened. But here it hasn't happened yet and you're still suffering. Right. Which is, you know, funny because you know, both of my parents are like that, you know, they would think about the future and, oh, this horrible thing will happen and this all, and I was raised with that whole mentality. (laughs) It's both Jewish and American. Yeah, especially my father. My mother's actually Catholic. My father's Jewish. Uh, And they split when I was a baby. It's a whole long story for Probably for another time. I think that would be an interesting call to discuss. Um, but uh, my father... It's, you know, it's old, it's past, it doesn't matter. Everything is yeah. okay right now. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, but, you know, he is a businessman, you know, who could be very paranoid and would just totally catastrophize about the future all the time. You know, and I used to and you listened to that and that. you learned how to do yeah. it. And here you are yeah. generationally doing what he was doing. Right. Sure. Right. Passing that down. Yeah. Even though I would take pride to not be nearly as bad about it as him. Yet here. I but am the older you man. get, the better yeah, at it you older get. I get. Yeah, yeah. The older you get, the more like him you get. And the more you wake up to that. You say, recognize I do not have to have that kind of thoughts. I can think the thoughts I want to think, rather than think the thoughts that I was taught to think. Right. You can retrain, yeah. reprogram. Yeah. We do yeah. not have to be in that position of dukkha dukkha everywhere, oh poor me. We can have the the different opinion is going to be, aha, I see you. Sure. Aha, Mr. Dukkha, I see you. So I'm curious, um, you know, given that, you know, I'm not working right now, uh, what are your thoughts on my just practicing a lot more? You know, like just practicing I would assume you've got nothing else to do except just yeah. remembering <laughs> to take a deep yeah. breath and, and have a chuckle and say, yeah, I don't have to think about that at all anymore. All right. I, I, I get your I get what you're saying. I'll just. Leave it at that. Just chill, <laughs> baby, chill. That's, in fact, what yeah. the word nibbana means. I think that, in fact, the, the kind of slang language that we use today that points to really, really good, important things was exactly the way that the Buddha taught. But now Western Buddhism in modern times, they've made this word nibbana really magical, big, right. powerful. And really all the Buddha was saying in the first place was chill, baby, chill. You'll, you'll love this. At my former place of work you know it's a consulting firm and and one of the terms they would use to the clients is we'll get your company to its to its nirvana state <laughs> you <laughs> don't want like, companies to the, be in a nirvana it, state it, they're exactly. out of business like if they're in nirvana like the stupidest <laughs> thing to say you know and they have no idea how stupid it is and i would just roll my eyes when i would see that in the marketing you know, and it, you know, yeah, there is no company if it's that successful <laughs> companies are hot. <laughs> yeah. You do not want your company stone cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I thought it was the stupidest marketing, but whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not paid to tell them how stupid they were. That's that wasn't my job. Yeah, chill, baby, chill. That's all you need to do. They can use yeah. the word any way they want to. We're using it in this so, regard. Just so chill actually, out. Yeah, so actually, here's another good topic. So one thing I've found, you know, as I've been doing this practice more and more and working with yourself, is um, is my need to argue has greatly diminished. You know, I just find myself, you know, Someone will, especially about politics, you know, I used to always feel the need to get in a political argument. Now I almost never do. If someone says yeah, something I, saw I don't you agree never with. never do that yesterday. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. With good friends where I feel like you can have a good discussion, I'll do it. 
But if it's with like some person, you know, that's a who has an agenda, or, someone yeah, with an agenda. <laughs> right, right. Or someone I don't know very well, even. They might not even have an agenda, but I just don't know them that well. And I'm just like, it's not worth my time. You know, like on Reddit, you know, I can see stuff on Reddit all day. I could spend the rest of my life, like all the years left in my life, replying to things I disagree with on Reddit. And it would be you a know, complete waste a of a life. You know, that's a very interesting thing. They've yeah. talked about it. I think that, uh, 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 who was it? Uh, the guy uh who wrote paradise lost and paradise regained who was that guy some writer from the middle ages uh, yeah, uh dante yeah dante yeah that's like dante's inferno yeah that's what it's all about is is that that business world is hot oh milton that's who it is milton, milton. right milton yeah so this is what Milton was, was talking about, is, is that it's the heat that we have. That that's what hell is. Hell is heat. Right. And so we need to chill out, cool off. One of the things that creates the heat is friction. And what is an argument? Is two people rubbing up against each other. Friction. They right. get themselves hot. The joke that I love about that is, is that there's two uh, arguing on the street corner, an atheist, a typical, very angry atheist, and a, a hardcore evangelical Christian, and they're having it. And so the atheist, uh, they're having this conversation, and a Buddhist walks by, a, a Dhamma dude, and the atheist says, there ain't no hell. And the Christian says, the hell there ain't. The Buddhist is smiling. Scratching his chin, and yeah. then he says, hell, you're both in it right now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're rubbing, and so political arguments, that's all, that's what it is. It's all people rubbing up against each other, creating their own hell. Right, and I'm starting to realize that now I, I will only argue with people if I actually respect them. <laughs> That's kind of the, the the point that I'm getting to, is if I don't respect you, I will not argue with you because I'll see it as a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas if I do respect you, I'll want to understand what you have to say, so I'll push back. You know, there you go. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's kind of the opinion I'm I'm beginning to gain. You know, which is which is nice. You know, right. Um, but now you're also beginning to recognize that that pushing back is pushy and that you give yourself and the other person dukkha when you do that. And so now true, you're not yes. doing it anymore. Yes. You're not pushing yes. back. You're not being pushy. You can just sort of no. be okay with what they say in the sense that we don't have to have negative thoughts about it. If somebody says something wrong, we can say, okay. Up to you. Right. That's your that's your thing. Enjoy. Right. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly. You know, and and I think that's uh so what are your thoughts on that on say arguing with people that you respect as opposed to people that you don't care about their opinion, you know? Uh 
I'm not sure how to answer that question because I may be answering it at too high a level. But basically, I would point out that if if I can see that I'm in an argument with somebody, the right thing to do is to walk away or to stop. In other words, arguments are always ended when somebody wakes up. If I've woken up enough to know that I'm in an argument, the time to stop that argument is right now, not 10 minutes later after we're fighting with each other. Sure. So, and so waking up to that argument immediately, this is an argument, I don't need this, I don't need this discussion. We can either change the topic or tell a joke or change the, uh, the mood or take a hike, anything, but getting out of that argument is the important thing to do in that moment, is get out of it. I don't have, guess what? No one has ever won an argument. So let's say like, you're Don't think about that for just a second. Just for a second, yeah. think about it. No one has ever won an argument. No one. Why? Because sure. an argument by its definition is I'm holding my position. And I don't care what you do, I'm going to hold my position. I might even tell you that I changed my position just to end the argument. But people walk away not changing their mind. A very good example of that is uh, I don't think they're doing much in of, of it anymore, but around starting 2005 up through about 2015 or so, there were literally hundreds and hundreds of public talks and lectures, some of them at churches, some of them at universities, some of them in, in uh, halls, and it would always have an atheist and a Christian having an argument and the argument was always on the existence of God. Now, it did not matter who walked into that auditorium or that church before it happened. Everybody walked in there with an opinion. Right. And then everybody walks out of that hall at the end of the talk with the same opinion. And nobody convinced anybody. They might have gotten a few good shots in so that people will give something to think about, but they're not going to change their opinion at all. People only change their opinion when they see for themselves that they are wrong and people are not looking when they're arguing. So this is also perhaps like the difference between an argument and a discussion mm -hmm. is in an argument, you're not willing to, to, to be flexible. Nope. Nobody's going to. Yeah, then you're, you're listening. You're, yep, you're listening and you're trying to understand your views aren't necessarily set in stone. You know, um, and you're you're open to what the other person has to say, um, which was kind of the question I was going to ask earlier was, you know, if, if you were on a Skype call with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, let's say he came back and he said something that didn't sound. The right magic to you. is not that he came back. The magic is, is that he would touch a computer. <laughs> that he. Oh. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. Just joking. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dudes got in those machines, eh? <laughs> um, but uh, let's say you're on a Skype call, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, and he says something, and it's not that you even disagree with it, per se, but you can see some kind of flaw there, something you want to explore more. You know, and so you decide to ask him a question, to push on it a little bit, see what he has to say, et cetera. 
you know, would you would you do that, and how how do you feel about that? Like that whole kind of approach. Well, asking for clarification may not necessarily be be pushing back or pushing. When you were talking about that, that gave me uh, the memory of something that I have seen recently uh, on a on a blog, and that um, all of the people who were involved with this blog kind of respect each other as uh, really in the Dhamma. Uh, an example is several of the, these people that are in this discussion are monks. Mm. Okay, so we're talking about not just your average uh, Reddit crowd, we're talking about people who were really in the Dhamma and their whole discussion of, in fact, it's stated this way, is what the Buddha got wrong. Mm. What All the things that the Buddha got wrong. Well, since he lived 2,500 years ago and lived in the society that he lived in, anything that's in our society that's changed that we like and we don't like that, we could say that the Buddha was wrong about that because he lived in the society that he lived in. An example of that has to do with women in the Sangha and uh, some of the Patimok and many things like that. But the whole idea that we're talking about here is, is that the entire subject, what the Buddha got wrong, is unwholesome thought. Here you have a whole bunch of group of uh, highly qualified people. Some of them have translations done and all kinds of stuff. In fact, this is on one of the websites that has uh, best known for all of its translations. And you have all of these wonderful translators that are doing all of this work with the Dhamma. And their favorite discussion among themselves is what the Buddha got wrong. Which is basically something close to what you're talking about. If Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was on Skype and he got something wrong. Right? Sure. Okay, so here's the way of looking at that is, is that. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Just one clarification. Maybe it's not even wrong per se. But it's just something that, like, you want to learn more about. You know, it could also be, like, something... Now like we're just, talking going little... in the right direction in the sense of this, what we're talking about is, is that it needs either more investigation or it needs to be put aside. Hmm. More than likely, it needs to be put aside and not bothered to investigate. But normally what people will do is neither one. Instead of putting it aside or doing an investigation, they'll jump on it and tear into it, just like you were tearing into Duca Duca everywhere. Mm. Right? And so we see the uh, that in the I, sense of... I would of, say I was more investigating, in our conversation at least, uh, maybe with myself. On my own practice, I was tearing into it. But it wasn't an investigation, it was a conclusion. The conclusion yeah. is everywhere. That's the conclusion. Right, but I felt If like you had remembered conversation... to continue to investigate, then you would investigate it to see the thought that dukkha is everywhere is dukkha. And therefore, the everywhere needs to be taken out. Sure. Okay, so... This is more of what we're talking about then of the real of a, of a deep investigation. And mostly that investigation will come to the point that the original thought that what he said was wrong or needed to investigate was wrong. That was the thought that was unwholesome. In other words, it doesn't matter what the Buddha got wrong. 
what matters is, are we following what he got right? And what he got right was stop following what he got wrong and start following what he got right, taking the unwholesome thoughts out and put the wholesome thoughts in. So that would be the way of, of working with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, your magical Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa on Skype, would be to enjoy the fact that he's there and not worry about what I think that he got wrong or that it, <laughs> sure. to enjoy what what is. We're not worried about so, what's wrong. We're worried about throwing out what's wrong immediately, seeing it and throwing it out. Right. So thoughts right. of what the Buddha got wrong is an unwholesome thought that needs to be thrown out. Dukkha, dukkha everywhere is a thought that needs to be thrown out. Because it's not everywhere. Right. That's the, what is that? The rhyme of the ancient mariner. <laughs> dukkha, dukkha everywhere. And I keep wandering around looking for something that's not dukkha. And all I'm finding is dukkha, dukkha everywhere. And he doesn't realize it. All he has to do is change his attitude, change his mind, change his thoughts. Sure. So that's what I'm inviting you to do is start in looking at the thoughts and really investigating them to find out is this all wholesome or what? And dukkha dukkha everywhere is not a wholesome thought. Sure. And, you know, I think this also connects to another issue I brought up before is like living in the city, you know, is is it feels like you're just bombarded with things that can create dukkha in one scenario after another, you know, and it might not even be dukkha, but just the, the dukkha opportunity. You know, and, and I think often it's not necessarily even the dukkha that that upsets me, quote unquote, but it's the opportunity for the dukkha. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just like that opportunity. Like, for example, advertising is perhaps an example of this, where I see advertising all day, every day, you know, just every time I go anywhere, you know, whatever. And I generally speaking, you know, do not act on any of the advertising I see. But sometimes it stimulates me in a certain way that can create dukkha of, oh, I wish I had that, you know, All right. that looks even nice, you know, even yeah. in the time of the Buddha. There was a certain amount of that just walking around in any society. This is part of the reason why the Buddha talks about guarding the sense doors. Once we wake up and get into the here now and have the sense doors open, we still need to guard the sense doors so that we don't let that outside dukkha come in. You mentioned the advertisements. The right way to handle the advertisements is don't look at them. Don't look at them at all, because you know that if you look at them, that you might, in fact, have some feelings about it. But there's a lot of advertisements that you can see, but you have no feelings about it at all. So that kind of advertisement is is kind of neutral. And since there's so much advertisement, let us say that only 20% of it really bothers you and the other 80% you completely ignore. So now what you have to do is just start ignoring it all. Don't look at it. Don't read it. Don't pay any attention to the advertisement. Skip over any ad that you can. And don't read it. Avoid it. 
go into seclusion and seclude yourself from advertisements. Sure, and and there's so many examples of that. Like, say, you know, New York City is an interesting example of. I mean, Bangkok, you have the same problems, but like, I don't have example, a problem in Bangkok. I don't go to Bangkok. Your problem yeah, is that you're right. in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, you know, and I so here's the thing. Then is to while your body is in New York, get your mind out of New York. Right. Right. How and, do you do that? Say, By ignoring all of New York's advertisements. Don't read them. Right. Don't look at them. That, in right. fact, the way that the Buddha would talk about it when they were on Bendabat, that the, that the monks are not gazing and looking around, but they, they keep their eyes on the ground about a, a, a bow length or a, a cart length ahead, maybe 10, 20 feet. So that you can see what's happening in front of you, so that you can avoid any dangers or whatever, but you keep your eyes down and you don't lift it up. Why? Because advertisements are high. They want to put them high so that people can see them from a distance. Right. Right. Yeah. So the advertisements right. are always high. So if you keep your eyes down, you won't even see the advertisements. You don't have to avoid them. You're just looking at what you need to see, which is where you're going. Right. And, and don't lollygag yeah. and don't, uh, uh, what do they call it? Rubbernecking. That that's part of the practice for the seclusion when you're out in public. It don't rubberneck. Don't uh, talk. Rubbernecking. Well, rubbernecking, uh, it, the word comes from when there's an automobile accident and people are driving by the accident. This is how they drive by an accident. I'm driving, I'm driving. <laughs> That's rubbernecking. You get yeah, it? Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's rubbernecking. Paying attention to things that we don't need to pay attention to because they're interested instead of paying attention to things we need to pay attention to, like where we're going. Yeah, or the breath. Uh, well, that's, that's what's driving us, isn't it? That's where right. we're going is into the next breath. There's no way to go. So this is the whole point then is when you're in New York is – don't be in New York in the head. Mm. Keep the keep the eyes down. If you're going to be in any part of New York, be on the pavement. Keep your eyes right. down. Watch where you're right. going. Don't step on people. Don't step on people's trash. Don't step on uh, nails. Don't step on your dog. Watch where you're going. But above all, keep your eyes out of New York. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's challenging, you know, because there's so many different types of things that could be considered they're advertisement, right? There's, there's like, they're not. They're yeah. not. You are the one who is attracted to them. Right. Okay. So the challenge is for you to give over your attraction and just pay attention to business. The business is sure. you're out walking the dog or your business is out in transportation. So watch where you're going and and give the um, uh, the advertisements no time. Sure. So another topic related. In to fact, you this. almost always already yeah. know most of where those advertisements are anyway. You've already seen them now that you are have seen them and you remember them. Now you can remember to not look at them anymore. 
that hey, particular board that's on that particular street that you always get hooked on, don't look at it. Avoid it. Sure. Sure. So another related topic is the the sense that I, I'm being like demanded to like get a job by society or to be, you know, a success that, or almost all of that is still just, inside your own head. Right. There is right. no totally one is. at the door banging on your door telling you you've got to go get a job. There is no right. one in that advertisement that's pointing to that says, Robert, get a job. No, all of that's in your own head. If any place that's learned behavior and who's telling you to go get a job is your dad, not the actual father, the dad that you carry in your head. The parent ego state is what's telling you, you got to go get a job. Those thoughts sure. are unwholesome because you're not actually out there getting a job. Right. This, is a, this is an argument you're having with yourself. Go get a job. I don't want a job. You're supposed to have a job. I don't want a job. I like my time right now. You're going to starve to death if you don't go get a job. That's what keeps the mind disunified. And in pieces, we're a crowd inside because we give ourselves orders and then we don't follow the orders. The right way to deal it is to shut down the orders and stop having critical thoughts and start having nurturing thoughts. That's simple. Sure. Sure. And, it really is yeah. that simple, but the discrimination then or the, uh, uh, the difficult part is, is that we haven't figured out what is dukkha yet. That just because you say that you see dukkha, dukkha everywhere does not mean that you've seen all the dukkha because the dukkha that you're not seeing is the statement dukkha, dukkha everywhere. That's just more dukkha. Right. The correct yeah. statement would be, so what? Dukkha, dukkha everywhere and not a drop will touch me. Now that's the right <laughs> attitude. Yeah. You are not a victim to all of that dukkha. You're smart enough to stand out of its way. You're not a victim to that advertisement. You're smart enough to avoid your eyes. Right. To, to change your gaze, to put your eyes on something else. Right. And yeah. And, and you do not have to make a particular kind of say, I'm not going to look at the advertisements. I'm only going to watch runway models. <laughs> right because then that has its own dangers it's better just well, to avoid all of those things you don't look at runway models and you don't look at advertisements you keep your eyes cast downwards so that you're seeing where you're going right it's all the same category of stuff you know whether it's you know like really nice apartment buildings you might want to live in you know just don't even look at that Beautiful women, you know, great restaurants, you know, whatever. there's all this stuff all over the place. Constantly. You just gave me three or four reasons to avoid New York. Yeah. All buildings, you know. restaurants, and women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there, and there's, you're constantly getting that message that, you know, unless you're, you're Bill Gates, you know, you're missing out on stuff here. 
Well, no, out. Bill Gates was really out. missing out on a bunch of stuff. That's why he was uh, with Epstein. Yeah, and he got his divorce. Yeah, or he's getting his divorce. Well, that yeah. was that. That was the duca that followed the fact that he wasn't satisfied with all of these billions of dollars. He wanted to have what Epstein had to offer, also. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like the the guy that could literally have anything he wanted would still go. You know, one thing one thing I read that was hilarious was, uh, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is in the Daily Beast. But they said that Bill Gates liked to talk to Epstein about his marriage problems. So he was kind of like a therapist for, for Bill Gates. Well, I know exactly the <laughs> kind of the therapist he is. It's like a used car salesman. <laughs> oh, that used car doesn't work so much. Here, I got a new one for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the stupidest, like, that's the best therapy money could buy, huh? You know, it's 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 really something that's completely absurd. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, let's finish this call now. I think that we pretty yep. well talked the important points is, is that you got to rea- rea- realize that many of the thoughts we think are wholesome are, in fact, not. And it needs a n- deeper investigation. Right. And, and always the sense. answer to that is, is yeah. that you come back to a really, really good state. And when you're having thoughts about dukkha, dukkha everywhere, puts you in a victim's position, you can see immediately that's not a wholesome thought to have. Right. And this actually, there's a connection here to, to one of your other uh, great, you know, um, uh, hobby horses, which is Mahasi, right? And in the Mahasi method, you would just note, Duka, 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 but you wouldn't actually note the noting per se and see what's mm-hmm. wrong with the noting itself. And it's kind of like I'm lapsing into that, although I haven't really practiced Mahasi, you know, but it's like it's kind of that mentality of the noting of the experience as opposed to really going into the wholesomeness of even that noting itself, you know, and mm-hmm. so I thought you'd appreciate my recognition of that. But Okay. Yeah. All right. So now that we know that dukkha is in the advertisements, we can avoid that dukkha also. Don't look at the ads right. and you'll be okay. Yep. They're not, they're not for you anyway. Those ads were never designed for you. Not one of them has Robert's name on it. Nope. Nope. And if the, it does, it's the wrong Robert. <laughs> if it is, it's the wrong Robert. Exactly. It's the Robert who used yep. to be, not you, because you're yeah. here now. <laughs> Maybe maybe Robert of 10 minutes ago, but not Robert right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robert's a common name. There's lots of them out there. <laughs> well, there's, but every one of them, uh, they use the word Robert for every moment that they've had, and they think that it was all the same Robert. And there's a new yep. Robert every minute, every second. Yep. A That's new the one. The nice thing about having a common name is, is it a little bit of no self-insight there. <laughs> Just a little bit, you know, a tiny bit. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, as always. And have a great rest of your day. And uh, talk to you soon. May you be happy right now. Right bloody now. Thank you. I'd say the same, but you already are. So I don't (laughs) need to say it. All right. Cheers. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right.